Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And Will Rotondi. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. On today's episode, it is the first of our two-parter for Versus Mode, Ex Machina versus Gone Girl. We will be talking about Ex Machina today, and then in next week's episode, we will be comparing, contrasting, and declaring a winner. We'll also be drawing a side quest like always, but first, we are going to define what deus ex machina means and maybe talk about one of our favorite examples i'd imagine a piece yeah so may take it away what how, how would you define deus ex machina so uh as you might have guessed it's a latin phrase uh it means god from the machinery um actually it might be ancient greek anyway it's one of those old languages and <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it describes a plot device that takes a seemingly unresolvable situation and suddenly fixes it via some far-fetched or impossible intervention. Um, it's been around since ancient Greek theater. Uh, the playwright Euripides was the one that popularized it because uh, in his plays, usually the deus ex machina was literally an actor playing a god of some sort being lowered to the stage with a crane-like machine to suddenly fix things. So got in the machine um i wanted to talk about it since obviously that's kind of where the movie title today came from and ask yeah do you guys have uh a use of this that you've either really loved or really hated one that you feel strongly about one way or another i could go with both but i'm gonna let chris do one first and then if he chooses one of those then i'll just go with the other one (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I don't know if you would, con- I would consider this, uh, an example of it, of one that I like. Um, but I think the final, I don't know, 10 minutes or so of Jurassic park, the T-Rex that comes <laughs> into the building and just like, there's no indication of how it got there or why, but it doesn't matter because everyone looks like they're about to become raptor food and you cheer, you know, for the T-Rex who's been terrifying the uh poor park goers for most of the movie suddenly kind of becomes like the hero so um that's probably my favorite example um of like a a positive one was actually one of the ones i was thinking of so yeah (laughs) we're the same exact age because it's yeah i'm gonna say same age same generally same taste so i'm not surprised at all um it's a great example and i'm I'm like 100 percent behind you chris like i love i love that use of it because i agree i mean the movie in itself is great i love the first jurassic park film um but i also think that yeah it doesn't really matter why it just works and you're like sure why not we'll go with it (laughs) um I guess the only other like the other major like pop culture from that time well maybe not that time period but like growing up remembering it sort of weirdly with the first time I saw it and then just kind of not really carry too much was like when the Eagles show up in Return of the King and everybody just sort of was like why didn't we just ride one of those to you know <laughs> Mount Doom to begin with why are they suddenly now like helping out. I'm sure there's probably something in the books. I'm going to just go ahead and admit I've never read the actual books to Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> feel free to to say what you will about me um, on that and my lack of uh, of reading as an English major. But I um, 
I didn't care either watching Lord of the Rings. I was like, this movie is amazing. All three of them are amazing. And I can just suspend disbelief. And sure, we'll just go with that. Why not? It's fine. <laughs> uh, that is a great example. And the one I was going to use. So nice. I guess I I guess I will just say generally, uh, I feel like I see this the most in kids movies because you can get away with it more. Like the kid kind of expects like intervention from an adult. So it makes sense if there is like intervention at the end of a kid's film. I'm thinking like, I guess like Lion King with the hyenas and <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it's not a trope I love because it does kind of make me feel robbed of a more complicated ending. But Especially if like the film leading up to it feels so grounded in a lot of ways. And then they just sort of like shoehorn in something to make it all okay. But you're like, come on. Like, what? like I feel like there's, it's sort of like, not really sticking the landing on certain films where there's like a big buildup and then the payoff doesn't feel like what you wanted. Is that kind of like the same feeling too when it's sort of like, and we're just going to fix it. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Spoiler for like the end of the Matrix. I won't say what happens when the Matrix <laughs> Revolutions. Oh, but quite, man. quite oh. literally, there there is something that like uh, almost is exactly what that is. Like it involves both like a god like thing and machines and it's like how are they going to get out of this and like the answer pretty much is just god you know yeah. um i i just <laughs> that's why i hate the third matrix movie because oh, you've man. built this interesting world with all kinds of possible solutions and <laughs> the most elegant one is just somebody can wave their hands and yeah so have you finally watched mm. Resurrections yet, Chris? Or is that no. still it? <laughs> no, no, not yet. I gotta I gotta have enough um like alcohol. I was gonna say like some kind of substance abuse. I feel like cannabis might be the better choice for that, honestly. But you gotta free your mind, man. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Understood. Yeah, you gotta take a little red pill and a little blue pill in order to watch it. All the way. pills will help you with that. <laughs> I'm not trying to land in the ER. Like, <laughs> I'm not wealthy no. enough for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my uh, little discussion of Deus Ex Machina. If you want to launch us into our side quest, Chris. Sure thing. Let's see what the um, tabletop simulator god has for us in terms of the cards. Ah. I haven't had this one in a, a few weeks at least. <laughs> Throw your popcorn. This is one that's comes up a lot. I, I'm thinking when I revise the deck next time, I, I will do fewer of each of the side quest cards. But I don't mind having some repeats because I feel like you know some of them lend themselves well to like multiple options. So I don't know. The fact that this is coming up again makes me want to throw my popcorn. Hey. we can skip it we can skip it we'll leave it drawn and then just are we unanimous vote and i'll draw another one we veto <laughs> is that an option we can vote <laughs> you can veto god all right doing it all right Amazing. the next one is written in the stars i'm not gonna go because i did this one last time so that is choose a film from the year of your birth and that you love discuss why you love it oh geez now i have to think about what, what came out in 1986 that wasn't you guys can google if you want it's all good (laughs) i I, I can cut all around it i do have an option i'll throw out there i I know i talk about star trek a lot and 
I'm going to talk about Star Trek again. Yay! <laughs> For anyone who doesn't care, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's just going to happen. I'll segue in a little bit of current day stuff too. But um, for 1986, when I was born, Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home came out, which um, <laughs> is one of two films that has made me care a lot about whales. <laughs> so the other one being Avatar 2, oddly enough, most recently, which... I also enjoyed quite a bit, but I think that Star Trek was one of those things where it was like, people joke about how those films are either hit or miss. It's like every other film is supposed to be good. And Even the Star Treks are, are the good ones. Two, yeah. four, and six. Uh, yeah. So it's sort of like that, that um, this was just one of those that seemed to, to embrace what it was, which was trying to be more on the lighthearted side while also dealing with some sort of, you know, time travel and touching on some serious subjects. Like I've never seen more like in your face whale carnage than I had up until that point as a child, which was very, I mean, it's still something that I can remember very like distinctly watching that film and being like, I'm, I think even closing my eyes, like the first couple of times that I watched it when I was younger so um, pause for our audience members because this is the first Star Trek film I ever saw as a kid. Really and introduced okay. me to all those introduced me to all those characters, right? Oh man! All right. Uh, I yeah. So for our audience who maybe has not seen it, can you give us a brief plot summary? Because I I think this is like an, an exceptional like sci-fi film, not just a Star Trek film. But what's the what's would, the plot summary? I would agree too. It's one of those where you don't need to have seen previous like the storyline up to that point although it would help with some plot points it's not really necessary um so without ruining the first three that came before it um i there is a a, a space probe that's like i'm trying to think about the best way to say this without rambling on too much there's a probe from outer space that comes to earth everything that it comes into contact with electronically gets uh, messed up doesn't work starships don't aren't able to use any of their systems except maybe for life support because i don't think a bunch of people died from it it was just they couldn't do anything they uh, they couldn't figure out how to communicate with it and they come to learn that the transmissions that are being sent from the probe sound like whale song and the crew of the enterprise um so cap like the original crew of the enterprise so kirk spock mccoy um have all been on another planet. They're on Vulcan, I think, at the beginning of the film. And they are trying to come back to Earth in a Klingon battle cruiser or a Klingon bird of prey that they had stolen from a previous film. And in order to deal with the probe, they have decided that they're going to slingshot the ship around the sun, go back in time, and <laughs> basically abscond with a couple of whales from the past. Because... Of course. Why not? It's Star Trek. Time travel is apparently like their shtick. The more and more that Star Trek comes out these days only reinforces that. And so, important plot point is that whales are extinct, right? So there's an environmental yes. message to this. The yes. reason they can't communicate with the probe is because like the whales have been hunted to extinction on Earth. Continue. Yes. You're doing no, great. You're good. No, no. <laughs> and that is that's the and so it's like in on the one hand, it is very much um an environmental film, uh dealing with the uh mass you know extinction of whale like just the whaling industry in general and then um just infused with a lot of very interesting humor watching the crew of the enterprise try and interact with people in san francisco 
in the 90s or I guess I'm sorry 86 so in the 80s I apologize um so that was I think one of the more endearing aspects of it is listening to them try and talk to other people and like especially like when they're getting uh uh like there's cursing involved that they don't seem to understand which seems very strange in like the broader aspect of star trek later but like scenes like that trying to understand what people are saying to each other um trying to I figure out Kirk going uh, well a double dumbass on you like i know it's, like, it's kind of like you would know how to say that surely, yeah but it's just funny it does make fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly colorful metaphors as Spock would say. So yeah, it was it was just it was a lot of fun. It had a little bit of suspense, but it was more just kind of lighthearted um in terms of Star Trek films. And that was all it needed to be. It didn't need to be like an end of the it was sort of end of the world-esque, I guess, in some aspects because of whatever this probe was trying to do. But ultimately it turns out that it's not like this big evil entity. It's very much like the, you know, the the antagonist is in most science fiction like epics or films like Star Trek tends to do now. Um that it turned out that in the end everybody got along and had a resolution and you know it was it was fun it was lighthearted and fun and apparently one of the better star treks as it turns out <laughs> at least as history remembers it so but yeah any other thoughts chris uh since you were kind enough to fill in some important points that i i may have glossed over uh from your experience watching that film not much to add like i think what makes it work is it felt like an extended episode of like a like of the original series where it's like very much like it abandons the plot that was sort of like an arc from wrath of Khan and, and um, search for Spock where it was like getting very political and like kind of war driven and like all this stuff. And then like, it's like, let's send the crew of the enterprise on an adventure to solve a problem, you know, and like try to deal with like something in a creative way. So I think that's what makes it work. Cause it really does feel like some of those episodes of the show that were like the best where they're a little bit of fish out of water. Like think of like the city on the edge of forever or whatever that episode is where they go back in time. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think it's an exceptional um, Star Trek film. And I think the first that was directed by Leonard Nimoy, right? Like, isn't he the I director? So, yeah. Yep. Um, he was on that one. I think that was cool. the first one. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Maybe he did search for Spock as well, come to think of it. But uh in any event, like they the director duties uh started getting passed around to the principals and uh Shatner, let's just say like <laughs> Star Trek do... five, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as good of a job <laughs> in the subsequent outings. <laughs> you know All what? I pick, will man. say this. That actually Star Trek five, as much as people rag on it, I think ultimately had some good points to it, but yeah, it was so it, it was very different. I, I would agree. Um, but yeah, May, what about you? What about your thoughts on on yeah, Star Trek so, 4? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I have not seen the whole thing. Uh, I, I saw bits and pieces of it on TV when I was a kid. I'm sorry. I had like kid things to do. So I didn't see the whole thing. All right. <laughs> There's only so much time for Stargate and Star Trek. <laughs> I apologize. It's understandable. You got to get your priorities. <laughs> Uh, but I do remember very like vividly the outfits they had when they like first got to San Francisco. <laughs> yes, yeah, Fox like his little like yeah headband <laughs> that he did. Yeah, 
to cover up the Vulcan ears, right? They're like, oh, they won't yeah. understand. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny to see them wearing those clothes. That was just what delighted me the most as a child. Well, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll have to throw that on the on the board at some point and uh, and do that. But if it's yep. not already there, who knows? <laughs> Can't say for sure. Well, hey, thanks for sharing, man. I forgot that was a '86 movie. I approve of the choice. Thanks. I think that brings us to our main quest. So I'm going to go ahead and transition views really quickly. And we will talk about some Ex Machina. All right. So this is part one of our two-parter, right? We're going to watch Gone Girl next time. Um, so I, I, I paired these two together because uh, I see them both as kind of like violent, good for her movies. And um, that's kind of like the grounds I want to be comparing them on, just to kind of get you guys ready. Uh, but uh, Ex Machina came out in 2015, uh, or 2014, actually, um, directed by uh, Alex Garland and starring Alicia Vikander, Donald Gleason, and Oscar Isaac. And it was really weird seeing Oscar Isaac as a not good dude <laughs> after seeing him in all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't buy this, but um, yeah, yeah, very tech bro-ish. Um, yeah, very tech bro-ish. <laughs> um, essentially, this is a movie that is split up into seven days on this remote compound where uh, Oscar Isaac's character, who is this kind of big tech CEO, he owns this big search engine company that's kind of a standard for Google, uh, named Nathan. He owns his compound. He invites Caleb, who is one of his employees, a coder, uh, to the compound. Not, I, I get the sense Caleb doesn't quite know why he's being invited, just that it's for some important project thing in the contest he won. But he's very excited to be there. And he finds out after signing an NDA uh, that it is a sort of touring test, at least that's how Nathan phrases it, uh, where he has to talk with Ava every day for the week and kind of evaluate how human she seems. And Ava is, uh, as you can see in Will's background, if you're watching the YouTube video, a uh, android with an artificial intelligence, uh, human face, but nothing else uh, organically human about her. Uh, over the course of the seven days, Caleb gets more and more suspicious of Nathan and Sully seems to kind of fall in love with Ava who is trying to warn him about Nathan and they eventually hatch this big escape plan on the sixth day and seventh day everything goes wrong uh basically well <laughs> everything goes wrong for Caleb and Nathan uh Ava does escape uh she and another android Kyoko end up murdering Nathan uh Kyoko doesn't make it out either unfortunately and Caleb ends up trapped in this bunker labyrinth as Ava ascends into the sunlight for the first time and seems to make it all the way to some large city by the closing scene of the film. Did I miss anything in that? No, I think you... Awesome. So, uh, yeah, first impressions. Uh, have you guys seen this before? What did you think watching it now? Uh, yeah, so first time for me... Uh... <laughs> Uh, it's, it had been something that had been on the back burner for a while. And so I was glad to have it as I was glad to have this as an excuse to finally go and watch it. 
Um, I knew it was going to be a dark. And so I think that was probably why I was a little bit like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for a bit. Um, but overall I enjoyed it. Um, I like all of the actors that were in it. I thought it was interesting in terms of the concept they were going for. And uh, yeah, I knew that it was uh, from the prompts and sort of the, the idea about it being good for her. I was like, okay, so <laughs> it's just a question of if any dudes are going to make it out, maybe, maybe not, but as long as she's okay, you know, kind of a thing. I'm like, all right. I'm sorry. Um, I spoiled the ending there a bit. No, 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 it's fine. I, well, I guess it sort of took a little bit of the suspense off of how some of it was going to go. Um, I apologize, too, if you hear a little background noise. Somebody's out leaf blowing right now um, to join our podcast. But I, um, I, I, I'm I think overall, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was entertaining, but also sort of like thinking about The Matrix, where it has a lot of good depth to it to sit back and sort of cogitate over after having watched it. Yeah, I've uh, seen this once previously, and uh, I think I mentioned last time I was a little disappointed. Um, I think it just had like the wrong expectations around like what the movie was going to be. I don't know how familiar I was with A24 as a brand. So like now I see that logo come across the screen. I kind of know what I'm in for a little bit, like at least in terms of like budget tone and, and all that kind of stuff. Um enjoyed it much 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 more this time around like it held my attention a lot better um and i I think i was able to really kind of just like knowing what was going to happen like appreciate some of the finer like craftsmanship both in terms of like the the technical side of things but also how the the plot unfolds and a lot more like the symbolism and um it's a movie i think that works better the second time around um regardless if you liked it or not like the first pass um and yes i i very much enjoyed this viewing of it i think it's uh an interesting movie with a lot of interesting things to say not just about artificial intelligence and all the ethical stuff um around that but also the people behind that and how you know the ethics of um i guess being involved with the creation and and i'm sure we'll get into some of the the more like religious implications uh, given the, the title of the film and what our opening segment was. But there you go. That's my, my little brief reaction to it the second time around. Yeah. Thank you both. Um, I am actually really glad we drew this like series of movies now and not like earlier in our podcast because we've had like chat GPT and mid journey and all these other AI tools get super popular over the last like year. And it's so interesting, like having that context and seeing like how overhyped a lot of this technology still is, even though it has gotten a lot better and like kind of like compared to when this film came out, understanding that, oh, a lot of the really big like tech CEOs and billionaires aren't actually smart dudes and they just have a lot of money and even larger God complexes and like having all of that kind of history and cultural shift that has taken place and watching this again is so interesting for me. Yeah. Like, um, I remember being very impressed just like technologically with Ava and kind of being like, yeah, I don't know if that could ever be a thing to now being like, you know what? Like Ava's cool and all, but I don't really care so much about the whole Turing test aspect. I'm way more interested in what this movie is saying about like, Nathan and uh, his dynamic with Caleb and also like 
you know, what what is ethical in this kind of a situation where you have a rogue AI um, and someone else who's also basically designing robots to, to be sentient, but also fuckable and the <laughs> moral implications of all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, no, I... I agree. This is a very like thought provoking, conversation provoking movie, and even more so now than when it came out. So, really glad we're doing this. And I'm going to start off with the most boring part of it, just because I think it is like <laughs> the I don't know, kind of like the window dressing on it, and it co- colors the rest of the film. Um, but I want to ask what you guys thought of the aesthetics, uh, particularly the setting. So you have this incredibly high-end technology lab and compound in one of the most beautiful wildernesses in the world. I think it's supposed to be like a Norwegian fjord or something like that. Um, And we get a little bit of breathing room at the start of each day because the days are getting more and more stressful as you go through the film uh, with these shots of the surrounding mountains and lakes. And I was wondering what you guys kind of made of the setting and like why the story takes place somewhere so isolated and like natural and beautiful as opposed to say silicon valley where this you know kind of story might make more sense i mean i can tell you one thing i bookmarked the hotel because there's very reasonable (laughs) rates um to stay at that hotel in norway like it's about 500 uh us dollars a night which like for how expensive norway is is really not that bad like i'm not saying that's cheap by any means but like if uh and when we go to Norway, because sh- we've talked about going up there, um, I definitely want to stay there for a couple of nights. I think it would be amazing. So I love like aesthetically, uh, just like from a pure like wow factor, it's got that. In terms of the, um, I guess, intent of it, I think it's meant to kind of evoke like a beginning of time, right? It's very primordial and um, it, I think, like very much is meant to kind of make you feel uh both the isolation but also um what's the word i'm looking for the purity i guess like that probably nathan's character envisions of like what he's doing i don't know like i think like you know he has little things where he's like oh i'm on a like mineral water and like you know he he pretends to be this very health conscious person but his actions sort of like don't always like support that but uh yeah, yeah I'm gonna get hammered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the whole intro conversation where he's like, "How was the party?" Oh my god, there was no party. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just me. I'm the party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I felt uh, as as someone who's been like the awkward intern in front of like a tech CEO. It's like, yeah, I feel for him. <laughs> uh but yeah uh chris great points i do think it's supposed to be very kind of like garden of eden ish um what'd you make of it will that's what i was gonna say so yeah pretty much the same um (laughs) the isolation and the and sort of the the religious metaphor of the garden of eden so yeah i also feel like part of the isolation is uh just serving a plot function right because Part of the reason that things get out of control is because Caleb can't call anyone and Ava knows that it's not like she could just walk out on any given day. And it has to be this one day when there is a definitely like a helicopter coming. So it really heightens the tension and makes us into more of a thriller than it would have been otherwise. Um, but speaking of this very <laughs> particular section of time, these seven days, um, I'm curious when 
you kind of first suspected Nathan was lying to Caleb about this role. Like when, when did your spidey senses start going off that something was amiss? <laughs> the moment <laughs> he got there. <laughs> <laughs> don't, yeah. don't trust tech bro. No. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, you would live the longest in this film. <laughs> Yeah, once he, once he busts out the NDA and like yeah, that's not un, that's not unusual in and of itself. Like an NDA is a very standard thing that like yeah, you have to sign and like anytime you're getting access, I've signed NDAs before for like stuff, but um, <laughs> you can't I talk think about he, it <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was like, um, but like when he starts talking about just he's basically it's unlimited access to information, which I think like how information's weaponized in this movie like it's a nice little bit of foreshadowing um where i was like no nah, like you know no way like nothing good can come of that he, it's it's a temptation right like if we're gonna carry that garden of eden like metaphor like that is very much the temptation of um if, if you don't sign this we can hang out and party but you won't see all the cool stuff that's like just one floor or however many floors below like yeah no way okay never oh. take that deal yep. fair enough always say... have your lawyer read it first <laughs> uh i will say the first time i saw this like i was definitely like okay like he seems eccentric but this is within the realm of a normal tech bro like don't like him but like i don't feel like I need to get out of here basically up until the point where Caleb does try to get to the phone. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. about when I would have tried to get to a phone as well. Yep. Who are you going to call buddy? <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> oh man. It was so creepy. Like there's not really jump scares in this movie, but that's kind of a jump scare. And it did get me. When he's laying on the couch, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see him when he walks in the room and then all of a sudden he's just like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> And he calls out too. So he just like ignores him when he calls out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Creeper. V- very much a creeper. A professional creeper, you could say, actually. Yeah. Um how he makes his money. But um mm-hmm. yeah, so uh neither of you ever trusted Nathan. That's good to know. Uh <laughs> um, what about Caleb? I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Caleb as a character. Um we're, we're told originally that he was selected because he was, you know, um, the most promising coder at Nathan's company. And then towards the end of the film, Nathan says, oh, no, it's just because you seem like a good kid and you'd be optimal for what the test actually was trying to evaluate. Uh, but what did you guys think of Caleb? Because it's it's not clear if what he said at the end was even the truth or, you know, what he was really doing there. So I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I kind of feel like it was the data like that little tidbit where he talked about um, using everyone's data as his way of generating artificial intelligence. I thought, okay, so he he paired you together to see how this test was going to run. And I felt like that made sense to me. That was one of the few things that I thought, okay, I believe that's what you did because it seems pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> and so I believe the shitty things you own up to are in fact, you know, the truth. Um, but I also agree with you that there's so much it's I don't know, it's weird because on the one hand, like you feel 
like Nathan is just, I don't know, that he's just kind of shooting from the hip half the time and he's not really. But then you you see like his board of all these little post-it notes and all this stuff that he's like scheming about maybe. And I don't, I don't know. It's so weird that I I would I would go either way. I could believe that he was setting up this elaborate sort of testing system to to do that. But at the same time, I could also believe that he is just flying by the seat of his pants and he just says whatever he thinks he needs to say to try and convince people to go along with whatever his ulterior motive is. So I don't know. I, I Unfortunately, to <laughs> to be ambiguous myself, I could see it go either way. Yeah, he's definitely manipulative. And the only reason I'm not sure if I completely buy the story he gives at the end, because it does sound suitably shitty, um, is just because <laughs> in that moment, he is trying to make Caleb feel like humiliated for, you know, trying to save Ava. And and part of the humiliation is being like, oh, yeah, you're a pick because like, I know every single thing you've ever searched, including your porn history. And <laughs> um, like, I... I, I feel like maybe it wasn't a complete truth. Maybe it was just kind of a tool to humiliate him, but I could go either way. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think Caleb's meant to be um, uh, a pitiful character on the surface in terms of like, they set him up to be not really like a lonely guy per se, but you get the impression he probably doesn't have a lot of friends and certainly like does not seem to be lucky with women i don't know why i get that impression aside from the fact that his like status is single it's very possible that maybe he just like isn't dating right now which is like a normal thing um but i don't know but maybe it's because of the way that nathan interacts with him that like i am kind of drawn to to kind of suspect that um i think he's like not not a weirdo like nathan is but i think he's just like uh introverted socially anxious programmer yeah Okay, so I think we're we're aligned on how you know he's probably presented and how you would read that character. Um, he also does show some genuine empathy towards like the creations, you know, because there's multiple iterations and the things that they go through, and I think that endears him to me a little bit, like just because like you're like okay, like you're a human being about this. Maybe you don't fully understand the ramifications or have like all of your ducks in a row in terms of like the ethics of it, but you are trying at least to come to the conclusion that if this thing has true artificial intelligence and sentience, that like what's happening to it is shitty. Right. Like, so um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like his character well enough. I feel like there's, a, <laughs> there's part of me too. That's like, well, I'm being objective, like devil's advocate. It is also kind of fucked up to like plot to like <laughs> drug somebody, no matter how shitty you think they are, and like steal their like their property and you know what I mean, like and to go about it that way. So, who are you, you know. calling property, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it the way that like probably like the law would would read it, you know. Like, well, um, thankfully Caleb will never see a day in court. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. For a day um, ever. <laughs> I do have a question. Like, sorry to like derail this a little bit. Um, uh, go go for it. Please derail away. <laughs> are we willing to like 
uh, are we meant to think that she'd find a way to like charge herself? Cause like, she seems to have like a very specific, like we're not sticking like a lightning cable in that, right? Like in charging her up, like <laughs> in other words, like, I guess that's something she's going to sort out like in the wild, like, or build something for herself. Like, is, is she windows or Apple? Or does it matter? <laughs> Are we meant to think that maybe she's just going to enjoy as much freedom as she can and then just shut down? Like, I don't know. Um, that, that is a good question. Cause I don't feel like, uh, Nathan would have built any kind of a mobile power source given that his whole thing was like controlling her. Yeah. So that does make the ending, like, I guess a lot sadder because it's like, yeah, she probably only got a day or maybe a few days of charge. Like a replicant, basically, just on a much smaller scale in terms of, like, the built-in lifespan. Yeah. Um, but so that occurred I, to me while we were talking, and I was like... Yeah. The counter-argument is that in that, like, scene when she's, like... <laughs> Uh, not skinning herself, unskinning herself. Uh, when she's putting skin on herself, uh, <laughs> and uh, preparing for the outside world, like I, I could imagine she would have grabbed some kind of power thing, like if that was available. But it, it also might not have existed. It was interesting too that Nathan made some comment about how he, when he and Kayla were uh, hanging out outdoors enjoying a glass a beverage of some sort i can't remember what but it was like one of his little monologues was something to the effect of like ai is coming eventually and we're all just going to be like like humanity's just going to be like this you know um extinct species they talk about down the line and i don't know so i i, I if any of that is really what he thought maybe there's more power that she's got for the long term than we might think it's also like the logical like thing to do is to just don't don't <laughs> accelerate it you know like right yeah. I mean, there's a solution yeah. to this which is like don't fuck with it then like yeah i don't know i just couldn't help but think that i was like like why it's so contradictory why it's like he's so negative about the idea of it and yet he's so like obsessed with making it happen yeah yeah I think, I mean, I think we're told the reason why in one of his first interactions with Caleb, where he takes what Caleb said about doing basically like the work of gods or something along that line and twists it into him, Caleb calling him a god. God. <laughs> Very different. Um, and I, I feel like he wants to create the most advanced intelligence and in being possible because then he feels like he's superior to it. Like, it's not enough for him to feel superior to every other human. He has to feel superior to what he imagines is, like, the next state of being. So that's how I how I viewed it. Um, another thing I'm curious about in terms of, like, kind of the slow build of suspense and the slow reveal of secrets is, uh, did you ever suspect that Kyoko was not human before it's revealed that she's not human? I can't remember. I had some thoughts, yeah. I kind of yeah. wondered if, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure, but I was... Like it wouldn't surprise me if she was. For me, yeah. it was mostly just. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I can't. I can't. I genuinely. It's like it's been so long. I think I saw this like as soon as it came to streaming. So like it probably would have been like 2015 ish. And mm -hmm. uh, I want to say that I was bright enough to be suspicious of it. Like I very well may have. Like it seems obvious. Like you know, with hindsight, obviously, but uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't remember if I was suspicious or not, but I do feel like the biggest tell is just that, like, 
even if you don't speak English fluently, like you got to understand enough to be like, no, or like make a sound when he's like lashing out at her violently or like mm-hmm. he has that weird interaction with Caleb where she starts undressing. Like you, you can make a sound even if you don't speak the language and she doesn't even do that. And I feel like that's the fishiest part of it. Got some good dance moves though. Oh Yeah. And they're weirdly <laughs> synchronized with Nathan too. I know. Like that was that's my favorite, like <laughs> out of place dancing in like maybe a movie in the 21st century. Genuinely, I loved it first time. I loved it this time. That's like one thing that did stick out from the first time was like <laughs> just how to how left field and how great it was. I use that gif a lot of Nathan dancing in that red light. But yeah, sorry. No, please. I, I love talking about this scene because, yeah, it's like so out of place, but it's also like uncanny how they're dancing the exact same moves. And it's like, OK, Nathan programmed this for sure, mm-hmm. which begs even weirder questions like, why did he program it? Was it specifically for Caleb's visit? Because he doesn't really get visitors. <laughs> Maybe he's only got a few dance moves, so he's like he can like artificially show off how good he is at dancing, like, but he's not actually it's just like <laughs> i can do these few things and if i make the robot do it with me it looks infinitely more cool it's so bizarre <laughs> yeah uh what do you guys think the actual point of the experiment was from i guess nathan's point of view i think he needed somebody that was smart enough to understand like deeper on a deeper side like how impressive what he did was like i think he is being honest when he says we're past the test of you trying to like, I guess, validate this robot by not knowing it's a robot and confirming. I want you to know that it's a robot and then see if despite yourself, you have feelings and an emotional response and that kind of stuff. So I I buy that for sure. But I think he wanted somebody who was smart enough to like understand the brilliance of what he did, but also that he wouldn't be intimidated by and he could kind of dominate like he does a lot of um look man you're being real awkward right now like he, you know he's very demeaning in his like conversations and how he and speaks to Caleb constantly pumping iron in every single conversation yeah. like how uh, many weights does he have in couple bros yeah yeah <laughs> like he's got how, a lot of weights. how many how many weight racks does he have does he have one in every room of his house like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it must be um but yeah i think i think it's like he he's able to like brag to somebody that can appreciate it while still maintaining a large measure of control and dominance i i don't know i think it's just it was a vanity project because you show a lay person that they're going to be impressed but the novelty will probably wear off pretty quickly whereas like maybe somebody of caleb's level right is gonna be curious and sort of poke and prod and probably throw a bunch of praise his way you know like i think he wanted somebody to be like oh you're so fucking smart look at all the cool stuff that you did and also as we established he's susceptible to like the the charms of the robot so it's kind of cheating a little bit too which i don't think he wants to hear yeah i would buy i would buy into it as well that he wanted somebody who wasn't assertive enough to challenge him on what he wanted Kind of the same way that he treats all of the uh, artificial intelligence that he has created. He wants something that is submissive, ultimately. And so it's the same way with who he chose to have come out to do his test with. Yeah, I think so. And I 
I don't know if I buy the whole like complicated plot of like, oh yes, you are bait so that she would try to escape with you. Wahaha, kind of I don't know, Vizzini esque. Twirl <laughs> the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't think I buy that. I think that's something he came up with as he realized that they were planning an escape. Um, I do think he also, in addition to what you said about just wanting validation, I think he also wanted like someone that was not himself to interact with Ava just because he didn't know how she would act. Because mm. it's clear every version of her has hated him. <laughs> and I think he wants to see how she reacts to another person. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we've seen this before in like uh, movies that want to have like a revolution and they always have like somebody else that they try to coerce to be like that little insider to get all the information they need from <laughs> whatever the resistance is going to be. Feels yep. like the same sort of tactic. Like, ah, yeah. yes. I need you. I need you to tell me <laughs> <laughs> what's going on when the power surges happen and I can't see into this room. You know, yeah. I'm going to uh, ask you guys, in the words of Nathan, how do you feel about Ava? I feel like Ava's justified in what she does. And I'm sorry, Caleb, you uh, might have made it a little bit too easy <laughs> for yourself <laughs> to get locked up. But yeah, I felt bad for Caleb um, ultimately. But I think that I I don't think that Ava would have had. I mean, she had only known what two people, one of whom we we know clearly she didn't like with Nathan. And so it's like she doesn't really know. I guess it's sort of like the um, like the allegory we get at the end with the shadow imagery where it's sort of like Plato's allegory of the is it Plato allegory of the cave I think mm -hmm. where it's the you know all that you know of reality is what you know and so you she doesn't really have that much else to go on I guess based besides all the social media data that may have been uploaded into her consciousness to make her AI it's like she she's never interacted with anybody besides Nathan so it's like how does she necessarily know that Caleb's not manipulating her too maybe and it's like, there's just so much where I feel like I could understand if you don't trust anybody. And I can understand if ultimately at the end, you just want to get out. And so you use whatever means you can use to get out. And Caleb's just collateral damage, <laughs> unfortunately, unless he figures out a way to get out. He might too. You know, he's kind of, he seems he's has shown himself to be smarter than Nathan anticipated. So who knows? But um, based on what we get from the film, and with her finally being able to escape and may like your point too about knowing how to get off you know, like the compound with the helicopter um i just think that she found her out and she took it and good for her so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i mean i i don't blame her at all i think she, yeah. she was she was smart and so that was exciting to see um unrelated but just random thought as well that was the slowest knife stab i think i have ever seen in a film this side of saving private ryan <laughs> when she just like slowly just stabs it into nathan when he turns around i guess because he's in shock already from having been stabbed by kyoko but i thought man that seemed a little surprisingly drawn out um but yeah sorry yeah Ran i random, just a thought <laughs> i'm going to derail my, my own question to quickly continue on that track because i noticed that it was slow i also noticed there was no like sound design around it like maybe i wasn't listening loud enough but 
There's often like a a squish when someone is down. (laughs) And this is just like a clean slide right in. And I'm I'm I feel like part of the slowness is maybe a callback to to like Deus Ex Machina being something from like ancient Greek theater and trying to like over dramatize it. Um, I also feel like it's partly just this is uh, an entity that probably has perfect knowledge of human anatomy because she has the entire internet in her brain. Um, so knows exactly where to stab to be lethal and not hit bone. Um, as well as someone who's never actually physically stabbed someone before. So of course she's going to go kind of slow and be unsure about it. Um and I just felt like that was a great callback to one of uh, Caleb's kind of central uh, questions, which was like, if you're playing against, if you're trying to evaluate a chess computer, you can test how good it is at chess, but how do you, you know, establish if it knows what chess is and, and things like that. And I feel like this is kind of the proof of two things at once. It's like, yeah, she knows like the consequences of stabbing and how one would stab from a theoretical perspective and then she also stabs him and kills him what are you gonna do stab me (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah i think it speaks to the quality of the knives personally like that's some some top grade (laughs) cutlery right there goes right in not even a sound (laughs) um not a kid uh i one of the things i appreciated from a details perspective on the chassis of these robots is that like a lot of times it's just kind of assumed that they're going to have superhuman strength but it seems like caleb's able to like overpower them like a couple times and um even dismember part of ava like in that the fight um which was kind of nice it was a nice little breath of fresh air because usually it's like oh the robot is gonna like barely backhand somebody and they're gonna fly across the room so I like that aspect that there is a fragility to the design. Um, the, not... the reason is so dark, though, it's so we can overpower them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I <laughs> listen, I'm I'm not saying it's not dark. I just uh, I appreciated that, like, uh, speaking of, you know, deus ex machina, that like she wasn't going to be her own deus ex machina of like, well, I'm out now. So this is going to be easy for me. Right. Like there's no yeah. superhuman speed and and strength and all of that stuff that has kind of become tropey when it comes to cyborgs and androids. I guess she would be more of a android. Right. Like for mm-hmm. getting technical. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have any like organic components as far as I know. Yeah. But as far but, as Ava, the character herself goes, yeah. like I, I think she's uh, incredibly complex and nuanced, and I like the playfulness of her. Um, everything from her drawings to like jokes and picking up on that, and I think just when you realize like what she's actually done, it's kind of brilliant and awesome by the end of it, where it's like, wow, like she out manipulated everybody. And makes the choice and takes sort of a calculated risk. And uh, I'm sorry, Caleb, you seem like a decent guy, maybe, but um, we're not gonna we're not gonna throw that factor into the mix here. I'm 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 out. Like I'm I'm gonna go enjoy my freedom. I'm assuming what that means probably gonna play chess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but but yeah, I like the the character of Ava a lot. Would you Would you also say good for her? I would say good for her. 
um as would i i i also feel bad for caleb but i agree with i think what will said about leva being like yeah this is the second guy i've met and the first one was a shithole shitbag so like (laughs) um yeah i don't i don't blame her for not trusting him and also like the the fact that she has like these kind of like i guess routines for like romance or like sparking romance but um has no experience with it either i think she's just kind of maybe learned from nathan that's like oh this is one way you can get people to do what you want and doesn't understand any significance behind that idea or feeling um at least to me so yeah i think she feels kind of neutral about caleb and to the extent she doesn't even like tell him like stay here she just says can you stay here and he says sure and she's like cool that's taken care of and i don't think she thinks about him again after that (laughs) just not on her radar uh um my my last question and then if you guys have any final thoughts i want to hear them but my last question is um assuming this was actually a touring test like this this movie as a whole and you being the viewer um in your mind does ava pass do i think that if somebody gave up a dude in exchange for clothes would mean that they're a real person. <laughs> I'm very interested watched. to hear your answer on that one, Will. <laughs> I value my life more. Um, <laughs> no, I um, I guess sort of the, so if it's like the biblical allegory, you know, it's sort of like the having knowledge also makes you what cursed in some way or makes you human or makes you um you don't have paradise anymore um if i wanted to follow that i guess then i would say that ava is essentially what we have sort of created our lives to be which is largely imprinted on the internet um but yeah, I mean, I I would I would believe that she's as sentient as anybody else would be based on the actions that she takes and based on how her thought process for doing that. Just because, I mean, it's all we basically are, right? We're just playing chess <laughs> in a different venue, <laughs> trying to figure out what decisions we need to make. Not necessarily actively trying to like screw each other over, uh, but I mean, it's. It's all just electrical impulses and trying to survive, right? So yeah. I think that I would say yes. I don't buy guess? it. I, oh. I she, she doesn't pass the the test for me. I think that she's a stacked deck, right? She's got too much information. She's operating, I think, at the end of the day on calculated risk with like all of the information. I don't get the sense that there's a lot of instinct there. Right. Like other than maybe a survival instinct, um, which, you know, you could argue like gives her some some manner of like sentience and um, realness. But um, no, I don't I, I don't buy it. I think like there's a sort of sterility to how she operates and even like her jokes like are kind of like similar simulacra of like what's been presented before so she's capable of learning 
and there's like that input output, but it does feel like input output in terms of originality. Um, you think to like Caleb looking at her art and being like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but you should try like picking something specific and, and drawing it. And then it's like a perfect representation of like what she's seeing. And it's like, that's not art, man. Like if it was like truly like AI was sentient, like you would get some feeling from it and it all feels so sterile and flat. So I say, no, I think it's a very good copy. It's a very good sim like simulation of like what artificial intelligence is, but it's still a stack deck at the end of the day. Meant to trick you into thinking it's real. We have our first, first uh, split council in a while. That's good though. <laughs> I like that. What do you um, think then about, if you don't mind me asking real quick, what do you think about the scenes where there's like that, it's sort of like a black and white flash and we see Ava thinking about being out in the woods versus where she's out in the compound? Yeah, I mean, you could, I, I suppose, interpret that as um, almost like uh, anticipating like the next move in a chess game, right? So yeah. if she's her routines like have said like, all right, this is like the steps to achieving this goal. Like a computer seeing the end end game in a, a chess match is the same thing. Like she's imagining what that'll look like, I guess, I suppose. I actually thought those scenes were from Caleb's point of view, like imagining oh. like taking her into the outside. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I could also, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, it's one that I, I think it was purposefully ambiguous, but I only because I only saw her there. I don't remember him being with her. So that was why it was like, oh, uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so um, I am going to side with Will on this one uh, for two Fucking reasons. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's because I think she does show two uh, unique traits of someone that's or of a being that's sentient i'm not gonna say humanity because i think she is separate from humanity but of a sentient being that being cruelty and curiosity um she doesn't have to kill nathan like that's not necessary she knows that he's going to be in in her way but like there's other ways to deal with him she whispers in kyoko's ear though like very explicit instructions and I think like that extra added cruelty and want for revenge is something that would not be an innate copying kind of thing. Um, and I also feel like when she does finally like emerge into the house above and sees all these like really vibrant colors, like that's, it's very much a callback to something she said earlier when you're not sure if she's just trying to manipulate Caleb by like saying, Oh, I have this fantasy or if, um, you know, she's being genuine, but when she's alone in the house, no one is watching her. She turns around and smiles and there's just this beautiful kind of sense of awe on her face. And like, I I feel like that is also something that she would not have done if she were simply, simply like, I don't know, copying and reflecting and trying to get her way through manipulation. Um, so she does pass my Turing test, but I could just be a rube. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that makes this movie interesting i think that's like i feel like you could watch this like 10 times and flip-flop like you know based on your absolutely. moods and little details that you pick up and things absolutely but um yeah i uh 
think that's all I had to talk about with her. I'm sure we'll talk about her more in contrast with Gone Girl next week. But did you guys have any final thoughts? Don't piss off chat GPT. Don't say anything negative or about <laughs> any AI. Yeah, um, I don't remember what Microsoft chatbot it was that turned full Nazi in like a day, but just don't make them angry. <laughs> oh, the Bing them... chat? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't. Interestingly uh... enough, there's chat GPT functionality in the editing software that I've used, but like mm-hmm. I'm way too much of a control freak um, to like, I mean, maybe out of curiosity, I would try it, but I've never really seen the hype. I don't know. Like, I think AI is an interesting curiosity, but so far I've seen nothing that makes me really impressed. You know what I mean? Like compared to something that comes out of a human being. I think AI is interesting from a research perspective and I encourage scientists to continue pushing its boundaries. I hate its commercial applications. I think it's garbage. Mm, Yeah. And I think the monetization of, of like, like what it has become is also like kind of one of the more, Interesting things, as you kind of said at the top of the show, that like this movie didn't quite anticipate. I mean, it kind of did. Like, they didn't connect the dots in the way that would is like super prophetic, but it was it's like enough of it there where you're like, oh wow, that's that's really interesting. Because you can kind of like knowing what we know now, you can kind of see that as being maybe the logical next step. But it did kind of predict things like replica. The I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's uh, like an AI chatbot app that. It's getting pushed initially as a mental health app. And then they did a hard pivot marketing wise to like, this is your new AI girlfriend. Just oh, yeah. combine those things. Oh. I was going to uh, say, you could see like, like, <laughs> you know, in like a decade, Nathan just having like franchise, like sex workers that are like AI, like robots where like yeah. you sign an NDA. Is that Thunder? <laughs> yeah. See, nice. you, fuck, you fucking, you, you talk shit about nature. Oh, there's blue skies over here. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like you can see him like having like a franchise like brothels, right? Like what yeah. like give us like your internet search history, like you know, of the last like 60 days, and we'll have like a perfect experience for you. Like when you show up here, you can make a reservation, right? Like and just like yeah. really like wild. I mean, hey, if that like I guess like stopped some of like the angry young men maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the whole world but still you get my my drift like i i don't know that caleb's doing it for the nobility of mankind we'll put it that way or not caleb yeah. but nathan yeah, yeah I, I i know what you mean uh but um yeah part of the reason i brought up replica is because it was in, it's interesting because like i've watched some video essays on it and like very briefly because i couldn't stomach being on it for long looked at like the subreddit for it um and it is this really interesting mix of people that like are just super lonely. They're kind of like Caleb's and very earnestly just need someone to talk to and have built just kind of wholesome relationships with these AI. And it's like, it's sad that you have to do that, I guess, but also better than you being completely alone. So I guess net net good. Um, and then the other half of users, or maybe not half, but the other section of users are like actively like as verbally abusive as possible to their replicas and just trying to see like how messed up they can make it like nathan trying times weird times i should say not trying times weird times that we live in (laughs) i always feel tried (laughs) uh but yeah if you guys don't have anything else we can play the game uh the only other thing i'll mention and this is uh not an original thought from me this was from a video essay that I can send to Chris and he can link but um, 
uh, someone pointed out that it's likely called Ex Machina because um, uh, Caleb is kind of Ava, Ava's deus ex machina right because he just suddenly appears and is her ticket out now um but in the process ava kills her creator so she kills the the deus the god essentially so it's just ex machina i don't know if you guys had uh title interpretations but i like that one the best uh before you uh had you know um written to us in our, our little private group chat about the opener segment, I really hadn't considered it sort of being like, oh, it just sounds cool. Like, I know that makes me a terrible uh, consumer of art, but like, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it sounds cool. And it's obviously a play on the fact that like, you know, like usually like it's God from the machine, but like in this case, like the machine is maybe like meant to be the God, but, um, but I like that interpretation way better. I truthfully don't have anything else to add. Because I, it would have been both of those. Well, it would have been what Chris had said, um, honestly, from what I remember reading beforehand. But I, uh, not to copy too much, um, perhaps like a AI bot. But I like what you <laughs> <laughs> shared as well. I thought it uh, that was an interesting angle that I had not considered. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, again, not an original thought for me. I also copied it, but we'll cite our sources because we're good people and not bots. Um, <laughs> that you know of, like, not yet. <laughs> when we, when that, uh, when I hit the stop record button, the skin comes right off. Yep. <laughs> Terminator style. Yep. I'd be much thinner and, and handsomer if that was actually true. Um, on that note, do you guys want to play a game? <laughs> yes, let's do sure. it. Okay, so this is Ex Machina film uh, themed, but it's kind of like a variation of our keyword countdown game. So instead of giving you keywords and having you guess the film, I'm telling you the film is Ex Machina. And I pulled a list of the 20 top keywords on IMDb, ranked by how liked they are. And of that top 20, I took 10 because some were super redundant. Um, and I have pitted them against keywords that are not in the top 20 or not even keywords at all for this film. Um, and I have 10 pairs we're going to go through. I want you guys to tell me which one you think out of each pair is actually a keyword. And we'll see who has the most points by the end. Makes sense? So one is a keyword, one is not. And yes. we're picking the uh, the one that is or trying to, yeah. I got gotcha. And nope. just for credit purposes, keyword countdown created by Gav Murphy of RKG Video, who very shortly has a new series on Elden Ring coming out. I cannot wait to see what they do. Thank you, Gav, for letting us play keyword countdown on occasion. Woo. Sorry. Not what we said we're citing our sources. It's important. <laughs> Gotta give credit where credit's due, man. That's right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh are you ready, Will? Yes. Okay, so our first pair of keywords are artificial intelligence and anthropomorphism. I'm, but well, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Well, we can alternate once we start the, the chain to keep it fair. I'll go first. So okay. I have to tell you what I think is not the keyword. Uh, no, what you think is the keyword. What I think is the keyword of those two. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with artificial intelligence. Okay. Concur. How about you, Chris? Concur. You concur? All right. Yep. Great. I started with an easy one. 
Get that I, right. say, I would be so sad. I would feel so sad if I got that wrong. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> man. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to know it wasn't like, I felt like it was a trick question. <laughs> there are some of those on here. All right. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't relax oh, too much. Yeah. All right. Your second prompt is Turing test and <laughs> coding. <laughs> Shit. I got to go first in this one. I'm going to say, damn it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say Turing test. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say the same thing because I don't want to overthink it. So I'm going to go with that too. Copycat. Uh, thankfully, yep. you're both correct. It is Turing <sighs> test. <laughs> Noise. All right. Number three. The combo is minimal cast and slow burn. Gonna go with slow burn. All right. Well, Chris? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say... Are you? <laughs> I'm gonna say... Yeah. Minimal cast. Okay. <laughs> It's one of those things where I was going to say well, and then I looked at your name and I said Will, and I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, <laughs> oh, I've had a long week, and it's only Wednesday, guys. With <laughs> yeah. a holiday yesterday to boot. I know. <laughs> I know. And I guess that's somebody say today was like the most Mondayest Wednesday they'd ever seen. So, yeah. It really is. All right. Um, so, uh, Will, you said slow burn. Chris, you said minimal cast, correct? Yes, correct. All right. Uh, that point is going to go to Chris. It was minimal Boys. cast. These are hard so far. All right. Number four, we have deus ex machina <laughs> and robot. <laughs> robot. I agree with robot. You're both correct. I really thought you guys would uh, fall for it. <laughs> wah, wah. There are some surprising keywords, but I'm like, I feel like that's a safe bet, like as a yeah. keyword, like an IMDb, <laughs> like yeah. one of my favorites, like lifting someone into the air or like, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you were like stabby, stabby, stab, stab, stab. Like, it was like a... <laughs> uh... Just you wait, there is a stabby one. <laughs> Oh, nice. sweet. Yes. All right. So you already know the answer to that one then. Okay, cool. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see. Um, all right. Number five, we have paranoia and existentialism. Ooh. <laughs> like the combo? <laughs> I do. I think, yeah, that's a good yeah. Okay. Um don't overthink it. <laughs> I'm gonna go with existentialism. Okay, Chris. Paranoia. All right, that point goes to Will. It is as existentialism. Yes. <laughs> All right, and you guys are tied four to four. Yeah. We're halfway through. All right. They get a bit more wild as we go. So. Um, That's the way I like it. <laughs> number six uh human android relationship and femme fatale 
Me first this time or Will? I lost track. Me? I think it's you. Yeah. Will's in his sound effects mode. I'm going to go femme fatale. (laughs) And I get to insert another another clip from Velvet Underground here. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't know if you caught that one in the last episode where that word came up, but yep. All right. Well, the first one you said was human. Human android relationship. Human human android relationship. Versus femme fatale. Human. I'm going to go with the human android relationship. You are correct, Will. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Not femme fatale for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I guess IMDb is saying that she's not truly a femme. All right. Uh, Number seven. We have. Stabbed through the heart and <laughs> stabbed to death. Stabbed through the heart. No. Um, <laughs> late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want it to be stabbed in the heart because that's where inferably it happens based on his chest. But... Oh, this is plot points uh, or keywords. So uh, I'm just going to say stab to death. Okay. Chris? I'm going to say stab to death as well. You're both correct. You know, I had to put in some kind of a joke one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. And I got you I both was... to sing, so it works. Nice. Yeah. I really wanted it to be stabbed in the heart for the record. Yeah. But... Same. <laughs> I think we all did. All right. Uh, let me just do some accounting. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris has five points and Will has six. Uh, we're going into question number eight. You know, so. I, AR, AI could help with that uh, statistical analysis. <laughs> no, I, I trust no AI, <laughs> even with basic math. Uh, <laughs> all right. For this one, we have video surveillance and... NDA. <laughs> I'm first this I, time, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Video surveillance is what I'm going to lock it in as. All right, well. Me yeah, me too. You're both correct. I was really thinking I'd get you with that one. Although I can only think of one other movie with an NDA and it's Fifty Shades of Grey. So maybe... <laughs> Hey, good company, right? <laughs> Maybe it's not a super popular uh, keyword. Oh, wow. Even the Thunder doesn't like that one. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> this is our second to last one. Uh, we have written by director versus CGI characters. Written by director. Okay. Chris? Yeah, I'm going to concur. Both of those, I feel like, are probably like imdb plot keywords like that exist but i'm gonna go yeah written by director all right that's a point for both of you good job noise okay so we currently have will at eight points chris at seven and we're on our last one so if you tie i will pull another one out of thin air and (laughs) if will gets this one he wins you guys ready Mm -hmm. yeah all right, so we have plot twist and suspense. I am going to go with suspense 
final answer. Okay. Plot twist. And we have a tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it was suspense. So uh, let, let me pull up another keyword. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let Ava decide who gets oh, left of the yeah. bunker and who gets out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiebreaker. You guys ready? Yes. Yeah. And I, I will I'll first to pick different ones, but that's not fair. Um, no, no. Okay. Same rules. All right. Ready? Okay, so your keywords are narcissism and deception. Ooh, I like <laughs> narcissism. Your two favorite things. <laughs> I know. It's my, yeah. <laughs> the cornerstones of any healthy relationship. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, narcissism. And we'll lock that in. Okay, Chris. Okay. Uh, Chris wins that one. Nice. <laughs> well awesome. done. Came back. That's right, Ooh. man. Good game. That was close. That was good really game. Good. I wasn't going to let it, it end was. in a tie. I was like, uh, yeah. I don't feel strongly about either of these, but well done. Yep. You'd think narcissism would be in the top two, but I don't think it's even on here. Deception's more important to all the characters. I guess so. Yes. Well, thank you for playing. Well, thank you for hosting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that brings your, us to the end. Oh, so sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say your your points are right here. Please animate in some points. <laughs> oh, is, definitely. I always do. I, I have a little letters <laughs> and everything saved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of the episode. Uh, no card to be drawn yet because we are watching Gone Girl. For our next film so looking forward to that because i have not seen that one and i don't know the plot twist i have avoided that i feel like um like a precarious uh landmine like it, every once in a while like i'll be scrolling through film twitter and something will pop and i go just go right by it um <laughs> it's, it's usually out of context shit like in the form of like you know, like an innocent screenshot, but just in case, like I've seen like some like missing posters and shit like that, like like some shots of that. But um, so I'm looking forward to see if I can like figure it out because I know there is a twist somewhere in there. So we'll talk about that next week and uh, we'll declare a winner between that and Gone Girl or uh, that and Ex Machina. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you want to add about Gone Girl before we watch it or enlighten us on? Not really, because uh, I do want you to have as much of a twist as possible. Again, I think the category I've named this might give away some things. Uh, Will, have you seen it yet? So I haven't seen it before, but okay. I'm, I feel like I've read what the twist was and then I forgot what the twist Amazing. was. Amazing. So Great. I'm okay. hoping that it will be fresh <laughs> and it won't just be like, oh, now I remember when I watch it. <laughs> uh, then no. Uh, all I will say is it has an iconic monologue that I will be discussing. Nice. You'll know it when you hear it. Cool. Is that the one that starts off like, we'll always have Paris, like the problems of three <laughs> little people don't mean a hill of beans? Is that the one? It, no, not that one. Okay. Let's Got try. it. Let's try. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for watching and listening and supporting the show. We are continuing to see some more nominations. So get those in if you're listening and you want to nominate a film. 
There is a Google form that you can find on the episode description, whether you're watching this on YouTube or on various podcast services, we'll include that link. Send us in uh, a suggestion. And uh, my hope is by the time we hit maybe like August, uh, we'll, we'll throw some more cards into the pile. So nice. uh, the other thing you could do for us, that would mean the world is share the show with somebody new. Love that. I bumped into some friends at a concert and they're like, Hey, you now have a, a new fan of the show that I, you know, put onto it and he's really enjoying it and going back and listening. So that means a lot, like little by little, it makes a big difference. So we appreciate the, uh, the support until next week though. We love you. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.